Hello everyone and welcome to episode 20 of What's the Chakkar. My name is Karan Madhok and I'm the editor and co-founder of the Chakkar. The Chakkar.com is an Indian arts review, a celebration of India's artistic creativity where we publish writing on Indian music, film, literature, theater, art, sports and more. We also publish creative work like poetry, fiction, photography, original art, etc. In this episode I will interview a number of guests on recent trends. in music literature and film and tv from india and abroad in conversation today with jimmy alter saurav sharma and aditya manral we will celebrate 30 years of the classic film jo jeeta wahi sikandar read books by gitanjali shree and dave eggers and listen to new music by the artist shikhar so strap in and let's go around the chakkar so jimmy alter is back on the what's a chakkar podcast for a very very special episode i, I haven't been as excited about about an interview as i am today uh, because this film means a lot to both of us uh, jimmy how are you doing very well karan very well thanks for asking and thanks for having me back a better topic to bring us together than a boarding school sports movie yaar The the film we're talking about is Joji Tawahi Sikandar, and it's recently uh, uh, this film officially completed thirty years since its release. So not only are we all really old, Jamie, but the fact the fact that this movie. So so I rewatched it uh, just a couple of days ago, and it really, really is. It, it was basically as entertaining to me to watch it again as it was all those years as as a child. This, this movie has really aged well in a lot of ways. You, in my opinion, are. one of the great maestros of 90s bollywood like i i i know nobody who who has so much abject adoration pure blooded adoration for that very much specific decade of of indian cinema that you do and i assume that this movie probably ranks pretty high on your list right absolutely i i i know i spent a lot of time thinking about the 90s and doing videos about the 90s this film absolutely karan i mean it ranks up there for so many reasons like i can tell you where i was uh, when i first saw it uh, it was at woodstock i had just come back from from the states uh, having spent about 8 months of what was supposed to be a f- uh, a full year in the mm-hmm. states while my mother's got her masters degree we had to come back because of the death of my of my nani um but being thrust from that Woodstock environment into like an inner city public American school against that backdrop, and suddenly being told you have to go back to Woodstock, and then being a boarder in grade five, and the weekend before my father dropped, in fact, the weekend my father dropped us off, we went to the Roberts house, and they were staying at what is it, Terry View or whatever it was, and they're like, "Yeah, a film I hear, Joe Jita Wahi Sikandar." I'm like, "I hadn't heard the film." I'm like, "Hey, it's Amir Khan. It's mm-hmm. 1992. Let's do this." And then. watching that film and like getting out of that house and like looking at tiri road and being like can someone get me on a cycle like right this minute so i was 11 years old uh, younger than all those kids in that movie 
but i felt like karan i was part of moral school i felt like that they say at the start of the film and what is clearly not dehradun it says dehradun you know it's not you know but for so many reasons people like you and me and countless kids who've gone to boarding school especially in the hills um the film has just a range of emotion so definitely up up there in my top 3 from the 90s for sure and and you know uh, so before I, i i i ask you the questions about this film uh just to put a little little bit in perspective you know uh, i think indian cinema and especially bollywood until this movie with a few exceptions here and there the, the storylines were very predictable in a way they like these revenge action films usually or like these films about like um like like romeo and juliet esque like a love relationship that that can't complete films this was so fresh because here was a movie in you know i mean i feel similarly when amir khan dropped dil chahta hai 10 years later where he again changed the game about a movie about just friends this felt like a movie about you know a sporting competition film and it's a big hit that almost never happens in india and and also to add to the fact when you said i think kids of this generation will have a hard time to relate to it but back then when a movie drops everyone watches the same movie that's what yes. we all do everyone goes on the friday if possible or at some time in the weekend to watch the yep. same movie in the theater um and 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 then and then we go watch it again and again and again because all karne ko kya tha like you know so we all knew almost every song from this yep. movie we all yep. knew so many dialogues from this movie it it really was a cultural event when you first think of i mean you told me you know the first time you watched this movie but now as an adult 30 years later when you think of jojita bhai sekandar what's the first like flashbulb memory that comes to your mind oh my gosh probably i mean probably pehla nasha and watching it not the first time but watching it on like doordarshan and like super hit mukabla all those shows i think the impact <laughs> of that song even for someone at the age of 11 like you know if and when i do have my first crush i wanted to be like Aisha Jhulka and Amir Khan <laughs> and I want to wear that I want to wear that pouch and I want to run I want to find uh, like a TA state so I think that is uh, the to answer your question that is the first memory but around that I mean you know just like all this like for, forget the dialogue like sabse aage ladke kaun Rajput Rajput that has become across 30 years like the go to thing when you want to say when you want to buck somebody up when you you know when you're playing sport it's something that i i say almost every saturday when mm-hmm. i'm captaining my you know my my cricket team here in delhi it's like it just it just comes out that uh, the whole pajama chap thing for model so it's like it's not one but these are the things which first come to mind but if you would ask me what is the biggest memory or theme it's probably just how that role of sanjay lal sharma and i'm sure we'll talk about it as we go on the show you alluded to it that the bollywood films of that time i mean think about it this was sunny deol mithun and aging amitabh bachchan jackie shroff these were tall masculine hairy men who who fought against evil who bashed up guys rishi kapoor was sort of he broke the mold but amir khan was not a superstar when this film came out he arrived with kamata kamata he did dil but current he did a bunch of flops he had not established himself and i think for me what sanjay lal sharma did to change the game so many factors like you mentioned changed the game the story writing the you know the concept but this was a guy who cheated he didn't mind lying you know i think that one and then a couple of years later shahrukh khan and kabhi ha kabhi na they were in a sense i'm going to use the anti hero term here 
not in like in Bajiga, like throwing the girl off the building, but they did not, you watch enough films back then. I know you're older brother Harsh, you probably watch more. This was a, a very different hero, right? He was in school, he was in college. He did things, you know, which the average hero didn't do. So for me, the biggest factor was Amir Khan slash Sanju from that film. You're absolutely right. I think the very first time we encountered Amir Khan, the very first time he is trying to change his exam. And, and, and this is, and, and you know, if we didn't know any better, if, if, if I sit someone who doesn't know anything about Bollywood to watch it for the first time, they're probably going to assume that the big star from this film is Ratan, Amir Khan's bigger, elder brother. Yes. Because, because Ratan is the good guy. And, and, and this guy is the brat. And I feel like Amir Khan almost felt like he was going to be the typical um, comic relief to the hero. If, if I didn't know any better. But yep. obviously, a thing changed. So, you know what? Let's start there. Uh, Amir Khan is one of the great uh, Bollywood actors slash stars of all time. I mean, he's just, every few years, he makes a movie. He, Lal Singh Chadda is coming out this year. We just, the, the trailer just came out. Uh, and he has made so many classics, from Three Idiots to Ghajini to... Um, <laughs> I mean, so many, so many. Basanti. Like, every few years, he has a movie that changes the game almost, you know? I have a very tough question for you. Where does Joe Jita Bhai Sikandar rank in the pantheon of Amir Khan movies? Very good question. Not straightforward. Um, but in the brief time that I've had to process where you were going with that, I would say <laughs> this, this has to go up there because it, the film made a decent amount of money. It won awards. It put him back in that, you know, in the market dominated by all the names that I just took, right? He, he was in that chocolate lover boy image. Um, for good or bad, his roles. But this sort of, you know, offered a different dimension. And you very rightly mentioned the comic timing. We had not seen him do, yes, he'd been the brat, he'd been the, he'd been the, been the lover. But the comic element, like getting with Pooja Bedi, that bucket of literally cow crap to, to come fall down. So there was enough thing, you know, lying about, you know, about his, his social status. So things like this helped change and really helped define Amir Khan, the thinking calculating, risk-taking actor. It came from that. Halanke, that said, he made his first screen debut in a film called Holy, which was not something you would expect from somebody who grew up in a big film family. So the risk-taker was there. But to, but to merge the risk-taker with a successful, a commercially successful film, it definitely started there. Um, so I would say that has to be number one there. Had, has he done better films? Yes. Has he done films in which his acting was far more developed? Yes. But just go back to, and I'll tell you something which not many people know. There's a backstory, and I'm gonna not, I'm gonna say it very quickly. My father had helped co-arrange the first triathlon in 1990 in India, in Bombay. Amir Khan heard about this because he and my dad used to play cricket together. He, million someone, they came. Million someone first played Deepak. Sorry, uh, he was first. Uh, he was first playing Deepak Dejori's role. The film was half shot. It had to be scrapped and done again. That's a backstory. But the point is, Amir Khan's dedication. Shooting said, "Dear Sal Pele, he took part in the triathlon to look the role of a cyclist." You know, so that's when I first saw him. We didn't know what the film was called, but there's me, all of nine, ten seeing the hero from Dil and uh, Kamata Kamata talking to my father in that very series. And Amir Khan was in his early 20s, probably, or mid-20s when the film was shot. So to see that kind of ded dedication manifest itself into a role like Sanjay Lal Sharma, for me, it has to be number one. That's, that's an amazing story. And, and, and for that dedication to take place, you know, in Bollywood, no, 
people care about building their pecs but that's about it but to actually look like an athlete and especially 30 35 years ago that's pretty amazing next question and 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 we briefly alluded to the fact that this is a a movie that reminds us of our boarding school days and i'll get to that in more detail but just in terms of uh, bollywood films about campus life whether it's college school i can't where does this rank in that pantheon of films like can you think of that many better films about school college life than jojita bhai sekandar i actually cannot i don't know how many were made before that probably not too many a lot have been made since then but again it's very tough to look past the prism of nostalgia but also just you know like you said it was a genre defying film for all these reasons you know uh, set almost entirely against the backdrop of rival schools that to my mind had not been done uh, at least at, on the commercial level current by anyone um, and to not have established stars i mean amir khan yes he was he was a he was a good actor he was not a star aisha jhulka i think this was her second movie deepak tejori had done you know the side roles jatin lalit had i think done two two movies so there's so many factors which were actually stacked against the film doing well you know mm-hmm. um but to take that that school college uh, background and make a film that 30 years later is still talked about the way we're talking about um no i i don't think any film before or after has has captured that school or let's say campus rivalry or campus setting than this film the the campus setting is as you mentioned meant to be quote unquote dehradun dehradun is the first word and mentioned in this film dehradun that's how yes. it begins yeah. um and uh, uh, b- both of us grew up in the dune valley we we grew up in masuri you a lot more than i um and and we have been i the whole time in my mind i'm thinking you know this is a tournament between top boarding schools in the dune valley it feels very similar to the inter school sports day at weinberg allen you know the <laughs> what we used to call yes. the masuri olympics you know the, the rajput college school obviously felt like dune school queens college was the velum girls and like those are the only uh, they can be together there's even a mall road um yep now now here's a pop quiz you definitely would know the answer This is obviously not Dune. This was not shot in Dune. Where was the film actually shot? Film was shot in Uti and Kodi Kanal and Kunnur. I was actually shooting a film about three weeks ago in Uti. Um, I really, I really want to go and try and find these locations. Uh, <laughs> Mansoor Khan, the director of this film, after five films, Karan, in the early two thousands, after Josh, he quit the industry. He went and started organic farming. He runs, he runs a homestay, a, a, a bed and breakfast. about half an hour away from where i was shooting i wanted to go and look for him i couldn't do it but i did get as far as the uti uh, botanical gardens where a lot of 90 songs were set i'm going back later in june i'm going to try and recapture where that paikara hills where that baramulla yeah, yeah. garden was yeah, yeah. i'm going to find these places because it was shot almost entirely uh, in yeah. these three places nowhere near dune and 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 that's the funny part so, so they actually have an error because um even though even though they claim the place is dune during the cycle race the commentator says that they're going to race all the way to some kodi kanal hill and back exactly and might, i'm like wait so they're actually racing from dehradun to kodi kanal <laughs> and uh, and as you and any viewers of the thing they're going through the hills they're going to paikara is actually a place paikara ghat baramulla but then they end up at the sports uh, complex of india which is off worli right mm-hmm. so they go there and having been in bombay i'm like abey yaar ye to yahan pe actually a very very awesome story about the final they shot the climax and where the film starts current 
in two days, which is phenomenal for that time because you're dealing with crowds. The crowds were handpicked students from schools in the Bandra and the Wadli area and Matunga. A friend of mine was actually part of the Xavier's College. Mansoor Khan came to his school. They were like grade five boys. They were told that they have to be, they have to come to a cycling event. No one across these three schools was, and it's a true story. They were not told that this was a film. They were given a cap, a t-shirt and a lunchbox. As my friend said, 91 may a lunchbox pack lunch milna was like you know mcdonald's from overseas that's all you need huh? <laughs> at the end of a hot day finally they looked down and through the crowd they saw amir khan when he took off his helmet and they're like hero. so these are the kind of attention to detail stories that went into making this mm-hmm. awesome film man. uh did you feel like you wanted to be a, a, a competitive cyclist the second you watched this film Absolutely. I, 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 literally, I looked down, I looked down uh, the house where the robbers lived, where Bridgela lived was just above Cozy Corner. I'm looking down at Thierry Road. I'm looking down at the valley. I'm looking down at the Dune Valley saying, can someone get me a cycle? Uh, it was many, many years until I did get one. But Karan, I can tell you that I, I was in high school. Great. I got a cycle. It was called Roaring Tiger by, uh, Roaring Tiger by BSA. I cycled out to, you know, Batagat, Suakoli. I was doing Yeman Zelapne and I was like, <laughs> it was just me, you know. But so I did, I did live some part of that dream. Uh, not a competitive cyclist, but I had a lot of fun imagining myself as Sanju. And a related question to this, because this is what I remembered watching this, rewatching this. Yeah. This is the first time I realized that cycles could have gears. It blew my mind. I'm like, cycle maybe gear hota hai? Absolutely. Like, was that the same feeling for you? Pull the chain, Sanju. We're like, what's the chain? What chain? The cycles we had didn't have anything. So I realized this is uh-huh. absolutely there's a there's a competitive streak uh, mm-hmm. to to cycling. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what chain? And then obviously years later, I went down to Dune and I had my father buy me a 21 gear gear cycle. But definitely, I I had no idea this was possible. I'm gonna ch- change gears. I'm <laughs> staying on that. Which would you say now? This is another very tough question. This film has. Honestly, I would say some of the best soundtracks uh, in my, uh, like sort of in my memory of Indian films. Absolutely. Among the the myriad of incredible songs, uh, obviously, Wo Sikandar Hi Dosto, Pehla Nasha, Jawaan Ho Yaro, Shehar Ki Pariya. Which song is the best song from this movie? I mean, look, hands down for me, Pehla Nasha, just because the way it was composed and written and then shot. I think one of the first, if not the first film to be shot in slow motion, I mean, just outstanding, but you go through every song that you've named. Each one is actually an incredible song. I mean, the way that Jatin Lalit, in I think their third album, if I'm not mistaken, they channeled the best of R.D. Berman, you know? Even like, even those montage songs, you know, like uh, when they're Jawaharyaro, Fonseca, and the third, Hamse Hai Sara Jahan. They're not all shown in duration, they're all part of a medley. But you hear them now and they still sound so fresh. Even that Rootke Hamse, I mean, what a lovely composition. You actually feel when Amir Khan is looking back in the flashback. Um, they're all brilliant songs, but I think just for recall value, Pela Nasha would be number one. And then Yaha Ke Ham Sikandar comes very, very close for me. Yaha Ke Ham Sikandar, this is the fun fact, uh, has two seconds of basketball. Where, you know, where the whole montage, they're all working out, they're doing a bunch of things and then they show... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was something that I found very delightful in my rewatch. Uh, Ke Ham Sikandar uh, is also, I, I can't think of a song with more variations in its theme or topic. 
because first it's about the model students working really hard uh, you know it's practicing then it becomes about the loafer students you know amir khan yeah. and aisha jolika and their friends who just want to hang out they like you know hame koi samajhta nahi we just want to chill um, then we get to the bad guys the shekhar malhotra and rajput team like they look like they're on steroids it's, they they, they <laughs> all look like ha huh, they all look like the russian villains in rocky movies you know and then it basically by the end it becomes ye bholi bhali matwali pariya where amir khan so it's like a four four or five different steps of <laughs> within the same montage song which honestly it could have gone terribly wrong it had had some had it been handled in the wrong hands yeah but it works somehow it somehow it works <laughs> absolutely and the moment you sort of talking about this song my mind goes to that same scene when those four guys they put on their real cream and they're in that they're in the gym and it goes <laughs> like whoa such a ominous tone which is hard uh-huh. to like 9 seconds uh-huh. and then they all and then they're 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 in the town square and the song ends when those four guys on their motorbikes they run off or four heroes into the ditch you know and uh-huh. amir khan even basically almost gives them the middle finger you know so even, even even how it's how it's composed how it's arranged uh-huh. how it shot i mean you're right absolutely like four to five emotion hands down in like a a three and a half four minute song brilliant pehla nasha we discussed it uh, i would say it's probably it probably ranks you know in the top five greatest like love songs ever in bollywood um, so so speaking of pehla and this is the this is i would say perhaps the most important question about this film pehla nasha is thematically about amir khan's first love but uh with the pooja with pooja bedi's character yep. sanju lal's first love her name is devika meanwhile uh, anjali who's aisha jolika is actually in love with sanju with amir khan yep. and and they're both uh, anjali thinks that this song is about her but it's actually about devika so 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 there are again a myriad of emotions happening you were 11 when you watched this film i was about 7 or 8 we all know our first bollywood crush and and this is the a great dividing line is drawn I, I I was talking about this to some friends a few months ago. We were talking about Indian sports movies, and I said obviously it's Aisha Jolika. But then my friend said no, it's obviously Pooja Bedi. She was the hot vixen siren. You know, it was like a Betty Veronica Archie situation. Absolutely, that they, they were, yeah, he was. He, I mean, Sanju was the Archie. Andrew was going after Veronica while Betty sad. You know, you have to be honest now. Who was your first crush between these two very different women between uh, Devika and Anjali? Aisha Julka hands down even before I saw this film Aisha <laughs> Julka so I mean there's no I mean like and Mansoor Khan very directly based this on the Archie comics you know the whole backdrop you know that and and with the breaking away inspired from that movie as well but I mean Betty Cooper was the soft spot I had when I was reading Archie comics and Aisha Julka I mean you you go back and you watch her in in like Khiladi that movie and the one with Salman Khan what the name she was just this, this different fresh face you know a very cute face and i think joja voice the gandhar with that song chahe tum kuch na kaho when he's jumping up the steps you're like how do you not fall for this one so hands yeah. down aisha jhulka um okay speaking of other characters uh, deepak tejoria Sh- shekhar malhotra i mean can you think of a better not i mean he was kind of violent but he wasn't like the complete devil which a lot of hindi film movies have he was just a cocky rich kid uh who 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 cheated violently sometimes uh, he, uh, uh, uh where does he rank in your feeling of like bollywood film villains i think he he as a villain has aged quite well he's aged quite well he's 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 very active with facebook friends and i see the kind of things he does but again he 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 at some point and i know this for a fact because i 
I've heard these talks. He came to that uh, place in his acting career very early, Karan, where he had to realize that I won't become a hero. Right? He came, like with so many guys, he came in trying to be a hero. And I think Mahesh Bhatt and Mukesh Bhatt gave his career a huge jack, you know, with films like in mm-hmm. Ashiki and all. But for someone to realize that, you know, it's, it's not going to end perhaps the way um, I wanted to end, he still gave his best. I mean, I think for me, Shekhar Malhotra and, and Chris Mascarenas from Kabhi Haan, Kabhi Na, these two, and there's so many parallels between and similarities between these two films. Shah Rukh as uh, Sunil, Amir Khan as Sanjay, and then Deepak Tejori playing Shekhar Malhotra and then Chris. Chris is not a bad guy. In fact, Chris gets the short end of the stick in many ways as Shah Rukh Khan's character in that film tries to upend him. But here, he's sneering, he's rich, he's he's a playboy, he's basically Reggie Miller with that violent streak. <laughs> he's not for me, he's, he's still not the villain. He's just a brat. You know, he hates people who, who are below him. He wants to win. He does what it, what it takes to win that race. Did he want to knock down Ratan from the cliff? No. Did he want to bash him up? Yes. Ratan slips and falls down. But initially, his hand does go out to try and stop Ratan. Try and save him. Down. Yes. Yeah. He's not. He's not Amrish Puri. He's not Paresh Rawal. He's mm-hmm. not all those villains. Um, but is he the worst guy in the film? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this, you know, there have been a few kind of copycat films, or not copycat, but I would say films that have tried to somewhat, uh, you know, thematically bring in the feeling of Joji Rabai Sikandar. Yeah. Uh, can you think of any contemporary film in the last five to seven years that somewhat like tries this and works? Like an, a, any any film that that it, like has that kind of emotion? I I cannot think of anything, but I've also stopped watching a lot less in the last three four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been certain films which have touched upon the sporting aspect, but if you're talking about a film in totality which takes the school setting, yeah. gives a hero side hero heroine side hero here when all the friends, all the father, as much equal billing, then absolutely not. I think there were TV shows. There was Hip Hip Hooray in the late 90s. There was Campus also in the late 90s. Perhaps the TV shows of that era probably did a far better job than any film. But to be very honest, you put me on the spot. I cannot think of... I mean, the the, the film no, that yeah, comes to my mind is, is Chichore, one of Sushant Singh, Sushant Singh Rajput's last films where uh, I, I they, did they're see in that, college yeah. and, and they're sort of it's a college sports competition, and um, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I think that's the closest we get, and it's a group of guys and one girl, and you know they they are not very good at sports, but somehow they're pulling it off. I think yeah, uh, yeah. Th- that's probably the closest that come, I can yeah. feel. Hmm. I um, think so. I really can't think. I'm sure there are, but I can't think right now of anything else. Um, okay, so I, think, I, I have yeah. two more questions for you. One, sure. one not so serious, and and the last one's gonna be a big one. The not so serious one is. Back to Pahla Nasha, Amir Khan's on that cliff. Your your POV, your Anjali, your Aisha Julika. You think you're going to see this guy who's going to give you a ring. Instead, you see him with Devika. With and, and the kiss. It's a French kiss. This is, was this the first time you thought it was possible to French kiss in an Indian film? Or in India as a country? Because for me, it was. I'm like, India no, maybe yeah, I think I think I've actually seen a couple before, so so the the shock was not as much. I think in in Parinda, I think um, uh, Anil Kapoor and Madhuri have something. Uh, Amir Khan did have this trend in his first six seven films of doing this. You know, I I think he he could get away with it. I I 
want to say I've actually seen it before, but mm. it would have to be two or three. But in terms of the shock value, absolutely. Because when you have a soft spot for Anjali's character and you're rooting for her, seeing from her perspective, it was shocking. And that whole, I don't think it was the first time I'd seen it, but in terms of impact, absolutely. Absolutely right. And, and the fact that they end the song we've been raving about, one of the great love songs of all time, they ended with this great moment of trauma. Which it, it, what a bold decision. And it, you know, again, somewhat works. The last question is, and, and you know, I've, I've put you in the spot quite often in ranking these, this movie as one of the great campus movies, one of the great uh, American movies. You are obviously someone who is, uh, your, your professional life has been the great intersection of sports and film. Uh, where does this rank in just the, the pantheon of Indian sports films? Because for me, I think it's like an unquestionable number one. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know where you'd feel about it. Like, obviously, Amir Khan himself has had one of the greatest, like, follow-up Indian sports films. But, but, but where does Jyoti Tabai sing under rank? Again, uh, in full acceptance of the fact that I was 11 years old and the kind of impact that film left on me, you know, 30 years later, it's still up there. I would have to put it number one. I understand Lagan, the narrative of Lagan was outstanding for that time. But Karan, as much as I love watching Lagan at, uh, you know, Regal or Eros and seeing the crowd go wild, when I watch it now, I'm like, yeah, last ball six is too much. <laughs> that, film, that film does not leave you with that, you know. And yeah. also, I just go back to where we discussed at the, to- at the start of the podcast. There's, there's also Dangal, also Amikal, Lagan and Dangal. Like, he's... Uncle he's really was, been, yeah. Mm. He's no, he's he's done sporting film. I think I think Shah Rukh Khan, one of his top three performances came in Chakta India. Mm-hmm. So we've we've seen technically more accomplished film, but just like you start off this podcast, the landscape of Hindi commercial Hindi cinema in 1992. And keep in mind, it took a year. Karan, they shot almost half the film. It had to be redone mm-hmm. because two characters walked out. You know, so all that put together to keep the film fresh, to keep it relevant, to keep it enjoyable and not go, yeah, 30 years later, for me, that puts it at number one. And I absolutely agree because uh, I, I re- I've rewatched this film many times over the last 30 years. Oh, yeah. But then to watch it again at, at this age in 2022, and it and it bought me, I, 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 I'm not as much of an affectionate of the 90s films because as you are, because I think a lot of them felt too dramatic. And, and too much dishum dishum for me. Definitely, definitely. But, 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 but this one was so fresh and it even now it feels like this movie is ahead of its time, you know, in, in many ways. Um, Absolutely. So, so in that sense, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm so glad for Jamie that you were able to join me to, to honor this, one of my favorite films of all time and to give me that. We, we really talked about this more than we would have talked about any other film recording, any other podcast, but I think Joji Tawai Sikandar definitely deserved it. Uh, Absolutely. J- Jamie, any last words about Joji uh, Sikandar or this entire genre before we cl- close out this uh, conversation? No, I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously it's such a pleasure speaking to you anytime, but talking about a film like this, you know, we're what, we're five, six years apart, but we did grow up in that same setting. You know, you, you're, you know, it more in a sense, you know, your family is in the education business. So you've seen campus from a different perspective. The fact that it can bring people like us together, not us. I have so many friends who've not gone to boarding schools. Mm-hmm. They've never seen a boarding school, but you know, they talk about it like they were there. So all the things we've talked about, um, absolute, immensely enjoyable movie and very relevant movie, uh, like you said, ahead of his time. I think Amir Khan did two movies which were ahead of his time. One was this and one was Rangila. Rangila has the same freshness, the same recall value for a film that came out three and a half years later. 
Um, so this guy overall, wherever he ends up in life, the his contribution through these two films for me, and of course, Dil Chata Hai. How would I Dil Chata Hai to the list? For me, the personal personal mm-hmm. favorite for these three movies. Well, Jamie, thank you so much. And and if if you guys are somehow too young to have ever watched this film or just never watched this film, it's all the whole film's on YouTube. Go watch Jodi Tawai yep. Sekander. It's incredible. Thank you, Jamie, so much for your time and take care. Saurabh Sharma is back on What's the Chakkar. Saurabh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, uh, you, I, you read and reviewed not for us, but you read and reviewed one of the most talked about books right now in like the Indian literosphere. Uh, is Gitanjali Shri's Tomb of Sand, translated into English by Daisy Rockwell, which of course, if you unless you've been living under a rock, this book won the International Booker Prize just a few weeks ago from the time we're recording this. We're recording this on June sixth, uh, and it's been just a whirlwind of of excitement towards you know translated literature uh, or literature or originally in Hindi, and I think you are the ideal person to talk about this because you actually read a lot of. Uh, literature in both languages did you read this novel in both english and hindi or was it only in english currently only in english i'm i plan to read it in hindi and uh, so so before we get started this this i think is a mammoth novel it's pretty big and it's 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 like a it's like a complex story tell our listeners what tomb of sand slash uh, the hindi was called rates samiti what this book is actually about i mean the plot i know is a bit loose Let's talk about the plot a little bit first, and then I can get onto a bit more specific question. It's an interesting question, but also that uh, maybe I maybe Gitanjali Shri would agree, uh, or or maybe not, that this book was not written to actually justify all this question that we ask in literary circles. That's that's the beauty of this book. Why? Because essentially, if we look at this, this not much happening in that way, but actually everything happens in this book. So it's it's a story about this eighty-year-old uh, woman called Ma. Also, interesting aspect of this book is they are called by their relations, right? So there is Ma, there is Bade, there is Betty, and there is uh, Bahu and Rosie Bua, uh, who's oh, a transgender person. Then uh, you have in this book this woman who has lost her husband, and it appears that uh, she has lost hope for life and she is depressed. And um, there's a moment where these uh, children are saying that you know our father has left, and uh, along with him our mother has as well. So what she what she does is she she actually she turns her back towards her children, and and that's literally. uh and literally and literally too uh in this book the way it is described and they're trying to actually uh ask her to again to they're trying to rejuvenate her interest in life they're saying you know ho oh, it's a sunny day you look outside and have this food and her grandchildren are also trying to you know lift up her spirits but she is not uh, actually giving to any of those temptations and uh, i've heard gitanjali shri uh, read this uh, read an extract of this book where she uh, where she actually points out toward the uh, the sort of word play that this book is actually being recognized for a lot wherein the mo- mother says main nahi uthungi main nahi uthungi main nahi uthungi main nahi uthungi so so in he- so and and that 
these things are very these are things very adroitly uh, addressed and uh, captured by Daisy Rockwell in this book. That's the beauty of it. So yeah. I wanted to ask that. I mean, uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but but like the the translation has gotten specific specific phrase because you know, uh, and, and I'm also a Hindi speaker, and there there's so much poetry in the Hindi vernacular that just does not translate well. It 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 doesn't make any sense. Uh, what you said is a perfect example of that. So so for example, how would something like that be translated into English? How did how did Daisy choose to sort of deal with a uh, language tongue twister or not well, not just a tongue twister but a, a play on words like that that you just said i guess daisy is the best person to answer that maybe you know she is the person who can give us insights insights into this thing but as a reader i'll tell you what my experience has been um, maybe because i i am well versed with the sort of language ma is speaking because i also come from so uh, whatever she is using the way she is saying right i can i i relate to those words so and then uh, so uh, the beauty is the translation and the untranslatability these are all preserved there are few things that daisy refuses to translate these are in this book as is and i respect that and for and i, I actually of late many translators are doing that because uh, they they're not doing so for because of the stubbornness the oh this is this cannot be translated i was reading this piece uh, recently it's been published with regards to first uh, the debate this book has started about uh, there's no such thing as untranslatability of course there is no such thing as but what we essentially what to what essentially i was looking for in this book was is there any english reimagination does the english version stands out alone because that's the only thing that matters because i i for one there are many novels uh, and non fiction works that i have read in both the languages hindi and english and uh, to be honest i don't really look for that oh are there any uh, you know aspects which i think i can particularly find out and say that oh these english mein wo baat nahi these two languages have different sensibilities and you have to cater to that sensibility not uh, i i think we need to move ahead and talk about the sensibility that those are preserved are these preserved in this book and if you look at that hindi book it's it's a slimmer volume but this is a this is a giant work and 700 plus pages it you i think first it was very daunting for me to pick this book up because such a long book needs investment time but the flow the narrative flow the sheer flow is preserved its sensibilities are there in this language in english so i i i think that wordplay was uh, in my view captured the sensibilities were captured more than the translation aspect yeah and uh, one of the great um, uh, things you mentioned is you know to, what we choose to translate or what we choose to leave untranslated i, I also recently did like I mean, not recently. It's been four years or so. Uh, I, I did a course on on translation, and and in in the process of it, I ended up translating my own grandfather's poetry from Urdu to English. It was the first time his work had been translated, and and the one of and you know in 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 the class there were students who were working on you know uh, work that used to be Spanish, work that used to be uh, in Mandarin, work that used to be in various different languages. and uh and you absolutely right like the the best translations that came out weren't the best weren't the most exact translations like it, it, they weren't the like every word was perfectly translated into english and and very often with poetry there's that added 
um, question or this other complication of do you want to preserve the rhyme scheme or do you want to preserve the content? Sometimes you're sacrificing one of the two, you know. Um, and it's so from what, what I learned, and I feel like you know, uh, Daisy Rockwell would just be like if, if we had her to talk about this on this panel, like she would really help classify her philosophy on this. And I think translation is kind of a, a philosophical choice in the sense that you choose what to leave out, you choose what to sacrifice is almost uh, as important as choosing what to include. Um, and and the Hindiness of of Raid Samadhi should be preserved, even though you're reading it in English, you know. Um, so is, is that something, I mean, I, I guess you sort of addressed that already. Is, is that something you feel was addressed in this book, in, in you know, the Hindiness of this book? And, and in general, like, just beyond that, the final English version of a novel, does it read to you as a novel that was a translated novel or, or, or if you had come to it fresh without knowing anything and you would think this is actually a novel written by an Indian author in English? Sure, these are really important questions, both of them. Uh, first, I've read your grandfather's poetry. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the finest works are not those that are literally translated. Like, literal translation doesn't work for me at all because I'll get to know while reading it that, you know, it is a mechanical production because Google translation does exactly that. And you can read, you can, you can sense it, right? It's very easy. First, uh, I think these, uh, the difference in this novel is that Kitranjali Shri is actually prolific in English. Uh, so it's, it's not that they, this exercise was done in isolation. Uh, and they have they have said it too as well that you know uh, this was a partnership and and Raid Samadhi came out in 2018 and this version came out in 2021 22 so you see the amount of back and forth they must have had and uh, the sort of uh, discussions they would have had and disagreements would be there for sure because I, I I don't think so this this as much is a labor of love it's also a labor of frustration because I was I, I was dead sure at reading this book that you know they must have been really frustrated because uh when you write something which is very closer to your heart and something which is very sort of you can sense that Tukubandi, uh the the hindiness the, the there's also something which in hindi is the alharpan right and this narrative actually caters to all those things because it comes from that region wherein you talk like that you don't really use a very polished language, unlike when you are, you know, uh, citing all this from Lucknow, Campbell, whatever. Maybe I'm using the wrong word, but, but yeah, but you don't really uh, do that. And the debates are actually the same in English. You also say, right, write in your everyday language to capture the reader's attention. Write simply in event metaphors. Don't use these, uh, you know, age-old idioms and all and everything, which is what this book does. And are these things there in this English language? Of course, there. The other question that you had about this, whether it was, it appeared that it, I read an English book. This is why I don't read the original work. I mean, I also in my review uh, write that, you know, Daisy Rockwell says the original has uh, words in the English preserved, like I have not seen Mandu Mene Mandu Nehi Dekha, in which uh, Swadesh Deepak also leaves English words left untranslated or, or they were they were in, in english cherry pinto the translator also leaves out hindi words as is in the english version so uh, daisy says these are in the original and i actually uh, in my review said that uh, is translation not original question mark 
I think that's a question we need to pose ourselves. Is translation not original? Because was it written in English? No, it was not. So this is the first English version. So it is the original version. And when I picked this book up, I, that's why I, if for, for a translation, I particularly picked the for, a translated version, not the first version, if I know the language. But this is an exercise that is unique to me. Uh, maybe if others would like, they would like to do the same. Saurabh, I read a Western novel and a very traditional Western linear time narrative novel, one of those like bestseller types that you find in most bookshops from several years ago. So I read Dave Eggers. I don't know, have you read any Dave Eggers before? Very popular American author, really good at telling incredible stories. Not the best at the literary craft of it, but good enough so that it's, it, it, it's he satisfies both camps. Like if, if, we, if we want like a story with a deeper literary tinge to it, he'll have it. But if you also want a, mo- a story that can be made to a film really easily, he, he'll give you that too. And actually this, this, uh, this novel was made into a film several years ago. So the novel is called The Circle by Dave Eggers. It, it became a film starring um, uh, the girl who plays Hermione Granger. I'm forgetting her real name. <laughs> uh, it stars Hermione Granger and Tom Hanks, basically. The book is about a social media company that is, suppo- is like supposed to be like a Google type or could be a Facebook, could be something like this. This is five or six years ago. The actress is Emma Watson, by the way. Uh, th- th- this is this five or six years ago, this, uh, this, this book came out. And this social media company is called The Circle. And then this internet search kind of company. Um, and this young woman named May gets hired into this company to go live in this sort of parad- paradise campus in, uh, in the Bay Area, in California, where it's all, all of these young, young, smartest people, tech people in the world, they're all there. The, this company has like, everyone aspires to work for this company. But once she shows up, she's kind of very excited. She feels herself very privileged. Her main concern is the healthcare that this job can provide for her dad who has a serious illness. But as you know, you know, the, the, uh, what I've set up is basically paradise waiting to be lost, you know, because when she shows up, it's she realizes that a company like this demands an insane amounts of uh, lack of privacy from her, just insane amounts of uh, transparency where everything she does has to be noted. So if she if she went to an event and she didn't take seven or eight photos and didn't comment on other people's seven or eight photos about this event, her social standing rank will go down. Um, and if social standing rank goes down too much, then she has to be called into a second serious meeting with her, you know, superiors. Here, it's not about how good or bad you are. It's about how connected you are in the circle. All, all they care about is you being completely transparent, you being over social, taking part in everything. If she goes kayaking and she doesn't share the experience with people, they're going to be really disappointed in her. If she if she has certain likes and dislikes and her like romantic interest does not sort of stalk her internet life to find out everything she likes and dislikes, that would be considered out of the ordinary. Like you're, you're encouraged to stalk other people online, basically. And, and anyone who is a bit secretive is almost considered to be an outcast. There's a, a famous, so I'm, I'm only about halfway through, uh, there's a famous scene where she has like, like a semi-sexual encounter and the guy she's having it with films it for himself and he says don't worry i'm only keeping it for myself um and and but she knows that immediately everything goes up in the cloud here you know and she's a bit nervous because i mean obviously she's a lot she's very nervous 
but he's trying to calm her down. He's like, listen, this, this is like a million videos every day. Don't, no, no one will ever come across this. This is just for me. And she asked him to delete it. And the word delete completely hits him like it's the worst curse word anyone has ever said. He's like, delete. We don't delete here. We store everything. So it's, it's one of these like tech utopia that, that turns into dystopia. And, and that is the whole, um, uh, that's the main running theme of this novel. So it, it's been pretty entertaining. And I feel, you know, I needed that. I, I needed a novel like this, which is going to be an easy breezy read in a way that can just get me through, you know, a few weeks after reading like kind of heavier books. And, uh, and it's, it's fun to read something that's very cinematic, even though it, I'm not talking about cinematic in like the large scale Marvel kind of way. But it's like, you know, I, I, there's a lot of tit for tat conversation. It's very, it's very Hollywood in a way. But uh, but it's also kind of entertaining to read. So yeah, I would recommend it. He he he's a good writer. He's not the the greatest literary writer, but his stories and his storytelling, like he's got that craft on lock. He's really good at that. Sounds interesting. And of course, we are looking for PC read after like reading a heavy book for sure. <laughs> and and the reason I, I I brought it up specifically is because it's so different in its in its storytelling style than Tomb of Sand. Where, where something is, things are constantly moving forward. Like in, you know, May, she gets into this campus and things are happening to her almost every single day, every single moment. And she has to record these things happening to her every single moment. And she has to alert them. She has to respond to them. So it's almost the exact opposite in terms of when we're talking about, uh, you know, if, if, the, if the, the larger theme of this conversation was how to handle narrative time, this is on the, the exact different end of the sphere, how Tomb of Sand would have done it. Things are happening more internally, I guess, as compared to happening externally. Maybe because this this book was actually in the uh, social media age, where everything, every whatever you do, is a timestamp actually attached to it. It's a timestamp. So it has and, to actually go into that direction. And we are all really, really, um, we we digress easily. We are easily distracted by a lot of other things. So I think to keep things moving, things have to move fast. So it's in, in, in that way, it is, it is written for the social media generation, but it also is way before social media boom reached like the TikTok era, which is just a whole other level of digression and distraction with, that I'm too old for, you know? Uh, well, any last words on, you know, the, the idea of narrative time as has as driven you to read novels of different kinds, because even though you didn't read this Eggers novel, you have read novels like this. Do you do you prefer this, or do you, or, or or did you really enjoy this? You know, the coming back to the roots, so to say, of telling stories in a way that the Mahabharata tells stories or the Tomb of Sand tells stories. City of Incident, a novel in twelve parts by Annie Zedi. What a marvelous! What a marvelous book. It is the kind of stories that actually, you know, um, I think this, uh, we, were, we, were, we were talking like, you know, we polarized this thing that, you know, how Tomb of Sand works and how the book, the circle that you have picked it works. Actually, City of Incidents is the book where both these things uh, converge uh, beautifully. It is a very cinematic experience. I think if somebody, uh, if there is someone who is listening to this podcast, uh, please go pick uh, City of Incidents, a very slim book. And if you're a screenplay writer and someone who who is a director or something, you will find some cinematic brilliances in that book. 
uh, th these are interconnected stories mm -hmm. that are told in such a manner that you, if you pick this book up, you you cannot put it down. You literally can't put it down. And I'm sure that it can be read in a single sitting. It is such a brilliant work. So I don't uh, typically uh, look out for books that actually defy something. For me, um, as you said, what the sentences, right? Something has to be there in the sentences, right? Uh, I think for most readers, that is the thing. If we see, which is why I, I have heard this, that even though in during the pandemic, the memoir publishing uh, registered a spike, people who are reading memoirs actually were not really satisfied with the work because we have all read these sentences, but there's something about the year of magical thinking by John Ritlin that works for us, right? When we, when we turn to grief writing or, or something in Insomniac City by Bill Hayes that attracts to us. It is, I think, and in Amitabha Kumara's The Blue Book, a writer's journal, um, he writes something, it's all about the sentences. Uh, so perhaps it's about those. He's actually referring to his writer called Ian Jacks, who's his friend, uh, who wrote some brilliant reporting and he's citing those reporting. It's just wanting us to make, uh, pay attention to those sentences. So I think that works. Uh, I think overall the story will, uh, I mean, you, it will appeal to you if you can read. So I think the first unit, when the unit is taken care of, I think the whole will be taken care of. Well, there's no better way to end than on Amitabha Kumar's advice. Uh, Saurabh, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for your time. And um, I'll see you soon. So Adi Manral joins us from Landor as usual. Uh, Adi, welcome back to the What's a Chakra podcast. How are you doing? Good, uh, Karan, doing really well. Um, and, and uh, you know, good to speak to you after a long time. I know that you have moved bases from India to US. Um, big, big change. Uh, but, but you know, we're all connected to the same music. Like those things yeah. never change with uh, access to all we have right now uh, through, through the digital world. For sure. And like, um, uh, we've been, you know, the one thing we've been talking about quite a bit is that, you know, on the Chakra, we get a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of artists, young upcoming artists often connect with us. And uh, yep. very often they'll send us their music, they tell us their story. And, you know, we almost always like try to give it a listen. Like whenever we have time, uh, sometimes there's too many, it's hard to do so. Um, but then the, the beautiful part is we actually end up discovering some artists that we just didn't know that, oh my God, this, who is this person? This, this guy should be a bigger deal or this girl should like really be making news right now. So um, mm -hmm. I think our, our artist of the month or the song of the month is one such artist, Shikhar. Mm -hmm. um, but before we, uh, so before we talk about Shikhar, Adi, uh, you did mention that, you know, we've remained connected through music. And I think uh, you personally have been ha, uh, have been killing it you recently had your second ep out uh, and you also had a incredibly fresh and creative music video i won't even say recent it's been about 3 months now uh, but it's it's still making the rounds i think you were recently featured by rolling stone for that music video the song is called what i need i guess like what i want to ask you is for other rising singer songwriters like the type of singer songwriters who perhaps get in touch with us to share their story um, you have been doing this for a while. And when you write an EP, like the one you worked on, um, I'd be curious, you know, do, do you start with the songs or do you have a thematic 
do you have a musical theme in mind or or do you start with the songwriting what is your process for a project like this what, what was the name of your second ep um uh, sign so sign. my second ep is so 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 for like the the, the story of sign the from the beginning mm. to the end it's a four song ep am i correct um yeah uh, where was your mind state at was there a certain sound you were going for for consistency or was there a certain uh, a, a lyrical uh, theme that you were going on funny that you ask all of this uh, karan because uh, right now uh, at the place where i work in our school we yeah. are going through a music production class as well uh, it's the summer program for our school so you know we've got a bunch of students learning what music production is and we just went through a whole um, week learning about songwriting song structure and how do you you know use melody lyrics and all of those things in in songwriting and this is quite a common question that gets asked again and again mm-hmm. and and you know there are just different uh, methods used by different people different songs have different uh, inspirations um i never used any sort of a thematic uh, right at the beginning when i was putting these songs together i just needed i just wanted to like get things down like you know i just wanted to get some songs uh, new songs uh, written down and and see what it all sounds like and um um if you if you l- listen to most of the stuff that i'm writing in and or, or have released with this ep none of that is um, like groundbreaking like lyrically or thematically it's the stuff that you've heard over and over again but it comes um you know like i try to pen down things that comes easily um uh, melodically um, you know um, uh, and whatever fits into the melodies of guitar i i write songs completely on guitar and and mm. would very rarely use any other instrument to, to fill in um so you know um, so yeah i don't know if i've answered your question but yes i wasn't uh, i was pretty lost like any other songwriter while writing these songs but mm-hmm. the but the goal was to let's just write things down let's see where it takes me and at the end like i was able to come up with four songs uh, which could be tied together thematically uh, in a, in a way that you say that it's the you know like the the one common thing that uh, you know strings together all the songs is maybe love um mm-hmm. and also heartbreak uh, through one song so mm-hmm. yeah that it it was never the goal like the goal was never to you know follow this theme it would be easier if you are challenged in a way where where you think like oh this is the mood and i should write songs about that Mm-hmm. but sometimes you know when when you're trying to be creative you're trying to write or you're trying to draw something you never know what you end up drawing um unless you are working on some sort of a commission you know where where everything is very clear uh, this is the direction that i have to take so yeah so tell me more about what i need what i need I had you know it's it's of course it, it it's a familiar sound that people are used to people who listen to your music but then it also like pushes things forwards in many way and the video is fantastic so like yeah. uh, uh that video has been featured a lot so i mean i i, I want to i'm sure you answered this question before but i want to ask you about the video again how did that come across and um what was the creative sort of thought behind the uh, the people who created that video right so you know the whole project with with even the ep like the whole project was to just get things done with covid around like what how do you do things sitting at your home um i realized everything is so hard doing everything by yourself as a musician you know like that whole production element is not a piece of cake for anyone like you know at least for people who are musicians uh who also do production who also do recording 
Mm. I have like immense respect for them. So, anyways, like all of this got done. Um, I have worked with Mohit Kapil in the past. He's a very well-known name in in the indie music scene. Mm. Uh, tours with Pratik Kuhar, you know. I mean, recording his uh, videos. Tours mm. with now when Chai Metos to record record records and make films for them. So he's a pretty good name in the indie scene. Uh, has has uh, made me videos in the past, and um, uh, I shared this song with him. And what I need was a very, it, it it's it's kind of like a very rock based song with with I mean the groove is kind of rock like you know like to the core, um, and and it's it's a pretty simple song like you know you you like someone you you you're imagining somebody's knocking at your door you're thinking you're hoping that it's that person and and yeah it is that person you want to say so many things to them, um, and um, yeah so it's a very happy vision in my head. I give this to the to to Mohit and um, Mohit comes with a very dark theme of mm. this song that hey this is the concept this mm. is what I want to try would you be open for me to you know uh, do motion um, you know what's the word like it's it's uh, motion art or like when you when motion you motion capture uh, art I think yeah, yeah something yeah, like that so, mm-hmm. that and and uh, and and the theme that he followed around was also quite it's 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 slightly dark in that way that you know um this this person clings to this other person in a way that uh, that is almost negative mm-hmm. that is almost destroying this this whole thing that they have and finally you see this person is just going off the edge at the end mm-hmm. so and that's kind of like the climax of the song even i was like oh man like really, i never <laughs> It, it's so funny, uh, you know, what you just said, because that's the beauty of art, right? You might write Very something stupid. or you might write a song, you might make a painting and, and you think it means one thing. But at, at the end of the day, once it's out in the world, it can mean anything to the person listening. And uh, so, so, for, so for you, it was kind of, uh, you probably thought you were projecting a positive message, but then someone else right. would see like, hey, this could also mean this or this could also mean this. So I feel like, that's the best thing about music like that, where um, where anyone who picks it up is able to find whatever they want in it. Um, right, right. So, so I mean, this is actually a great like uh, sort of segue to talk about our song of the month because I feel I got a very similar vibe. Uh, the song by Shikhar is called Moonbrain. This is the song we want to talk about, and uh, it's one of these really poetic, beautifully written songs. And I felt the same. Now that we have already discussed your track. I feel even Moonbrain could be dissected and broken down and analyzed from various different angles. Like depending on who's listening to it, um, they could have a completely different reception, you know, depending on your mood. If you're feeling happy, it's a happy love song. If you're feeling anxious, it's an anxious love song, you know. Uh, so so uh, tell us a little bit, what, what have you learned about the artist Shikhar? So yeah, like uh, I'm... Yeah, we're very happy, like you said right at the beginning, that you know so many artists have been sending so many things uh, across, and it's just so wonderful to hear the new music, uh, so much talent uh, in in the country. You know, you you're just realizing that there's so much more than we we get to hear, and uh, I'm I'm glad that Shikhar wrote to you and uh, shared his song, um, his his new release Moon Brain that got released in May this year. Um, he's from Bhopal and Delhi. Uh, I, I'm not sure where exactly he's based, but that's where he's from. Um, he's his songs are based, uh, are guitar based, um, very very heavy acoustic guitars. You can slightly hear the electric guitars in it too. Um, and and um, 
but again like yeah the core seems to be acoustic very very nice voice uh, blends in really song that we've just heard uh the song stands out the, the production quality is excellent uh and i think he's on right track nurturing whatever art he has has in himself um i i'm sure he's going to um, you know make it make it quite big he'll be, get he'll, he'll be doing the usual uh, festival circuit and you know hopefully will be a known name in our uh, scene in the coming uh, few months years um depending on how he decides to produce more work um but, but yeah like you said i enjoyed his stuff too like excellent melodies excellent uh, you know song construction his wife's voice is just really really nice and refreshing so um, some some of these things just stood out yeah so for um, like moonbrain itself you know it's that like it's a soothing soft voice it opens a song uh, it's like kind of a lyrical love song but very specific lyrically you know i kind of got um, the, like a john mayer inspiration where uh, right. you talk about bigger themes through the through abstract or smaller things you know mm. um but also his voice kind of reminded me of like you know like the alt rock frontman of late 90s early 2000s you know it's somebody like right. like like bands like yeah. three doors three doors down lifehouse goo goo dolls like their frontman have like i think that's that's at least the inspiration i got I'm dating myself so that's the music I was growing up to um mm. uh, I'm glad you said that too because mm. I heard it too like you know it's it's not uh, it's not the new pop that we hear like you know the the pop pop music that we are consuming uh nowadays or or even like the last 10 15 years it's it's probably from the time when when you know the bands had heavy acoustic setup um gugu dolls like you right. mentioned yeah. you know, it does take you to that genre and it does make you think of that music as well so he does have that uh, element in his in his music and um one thing again i i i like like you know because he also mentions that acoustic guitar is you know like it's all guitar centric uh, music that he writes um he he mentioned that the producer of this song was is also the producer for summer mehdi so you know it summer just uh, that, that it makes now more sense that you know summer mehdi is like everything is acoustic like he's percussionist um, you know his 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 percussive style of playing and acoustic guitar his acoustic guitar comes out in his music and so if but, i'm but, but i'll add he's also i think it's the same producer who worked with mokane and mokane's okay. music is like hard grunge you know like so so i think like uh, it's i i feel a good producer can make it work with with like different styles too you know yeah so yeah so i'm i'm a great job done with this song it's it's uh, i'm sure it's going to get a lot of reviews done mm. uh do a review on this as well and and push it out there so all the best to shikhar with with whatever comes his way next uh thanks adi and uh, so we'll leave you with the song the song of the month we chose was shikhar's moonbrain Stop here for just a second I can see that your bones barely fit your skin The bones will take just a minute Before you know you barely can walk And on the 
घूमते रहो <laughs> 